0: okay (laughs) uh we i was gonna say we're in the middle of a series because that's what i always say except we're not we're at the tail end of a series that has been like three weeks delayed uh because last week we had a special service and the week before that i was supposed to be here uh and in stuck instead got stuck uh where was i when you were having service i was being picked up by gary at the airport while you were having worship uh because our flights were 12 hours delayed uh, coming home from Doha, uh, which means that we then had a seven hour sitting in the entryway of JFK airport waiting for that to open. Uh, So it was a fun journey home. It was supposed to be 39 hours and it took 67 instead. Uh, But we made it home, uh, which was the good part. Uh, So we're not in the middle of a series. We're wrapping up. We're really, we're coming back circling back to wrap up a series that we've been in for forever now. Uh, and so we're going to wrap this one up because next week, uh, in fact, this Thursday, technically, uh, we start a new series called ask the pastor. And so for the last four or six weeks, all of you have been submitting questions, uh, for me to answer. And I've got your answers. Uh, as well as I can possibly answer them. Because my goodness, some of your questions. uh, But uh, the way that's going to work is, uh, and this is why you need to make sure that you have the new app or you're on our Facebook page, uh, because there were so many questions, there's no possible way I can answer them all on Sunday mornings. All right. So there's going to be five Sundays where they'll get answered on Sunday mornings. Uh, We're going to go through July, into July with this. Uh, But Every Tuesday and Thursday, starting this Thursday, there will be a video answer to a question uh, on the app and on our Facebook page. All right. So starting Thursday and uh, spoiler alert, our starter question for Thursday to kick off this series. Where do dinosaurs fit in the creation story? (laughs) It's gonna be great series, guys. It's gonna be good. All right, so that starts on Thursday, uh, and again, you'll see that on our new app and on our Facebook page. But. Uh that series is to come. We need to still wrap up this series. Uh, And so I'm going to read from John chapter 21. And these scriptures will sound familiar to you because we uh, referenced them. uh, I was going to say a couple weeks ago, a month ago, uh, we referenced these scriptures. So if you've got a really good memory, you'll remember. Uh, But John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. And uh, here's what it says. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to them, said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. I love the ending to that because it's not just a follow me with a period. It's, in my Bible, it's follow me with an exclamation point. Uh, it's, it's, it's extra emphasis on follow me, maybe despite what I just told you. Uh, And so we've been following this journey of Peter. And so today we're going to wrap up Peter's journey. We're going to do a quick review because it has been a minute since we have been in this series, Uh, but we're going to follow Peter's journey, see it through to completion and his discipleship journey. And then along the way, I'm going to share some Pakistan stories as we go. Uh, So if you remember all the way back, oh man, eight, nine weeks ago. It's been a while, but we did invite the idea that we are all invited by God to be in relationship with him, that God invites all of us to follow him and to, uh, to come after him. But also it's kind of the, the one that holds our whole pathway together because we're also invited to invite people to follow Jesus with us. Uh, and if you remember, we started that story with Peter being invited uh, to come and see this Jesus guy. Uh, and then when he came and saw what Jesus would do, and we remember Nathaniel uh, worships him. Surely you are, (laughs) you are the one, you're the one we've been waiting for the, you're the guy. And, and when you meet Jesus, worship is kind of a natural second thing that you do because Jesus is so awesome. Uh, we were just talking in our roots class this morning about uh, how we kind of take the awesomeness of God's grace and his love for us for granted. Uh, We kind of just pass it over. Yeah, of course God loves me. Uh, But when you really think about the depth at which God loves us, uh, worship is just kind of a byproduct of that. It's kind of a natural thing. It's a fruit. That's the word I'm looking for. It's the fruit of understanding just how much God cares for us. Uh, So, we invite, we worship. And then of course we have to grow. And if you remember, we went through Peter's story, which is where we referenced this originally. Peter uh, has some ups and he has some downs. He has places where he gets it right, right? Where Jesus says, who do you say I am? And he says, you are the son of God. And then he has places where he gets it wrong. Like when he denies Jesus three times at the end of his life. And we talked about how our journey, our growth journey, is rarely straight at Jesus. It's kind of does circles. We're doing donuts in the right direction. (laughs) But we're always headed in the right direction. And then we love because the product of growth is love. How do we know we're growing? Because we're growing in love love for God, love for people. That's how we know it's the very first fruit of the Spirit, right? Love. Then a few weeks ago, we talked about serving. And, uh, and, and Peter serving the church, Peter serving people, his eyes being opened up in the love chapter. He serves the the man. He says, I don't have money, but what I do have, I'll give you get up. We serve and Peter serves in the church and we see serving throughout the church, not just with Peter, but a whole bunch of people. In fact, uh, shortly after uh, the church is formed originally, shortly after it's formed, what we see is the church ensuring that people are served their meals because they're taking care of the widows and the orphans and they got to make sure they have food. And so they pick people who are going to serve the meal. And there's a lot of ways that we serve in the church, which is what leads us to the very last piece of our pathway, which is lead. Now, this is the word that most of you probably think doesn't apply to you because <laughs> you're like, man, I'm, I'm back here still. I don't know about leading. I'm still over here, <laughs> right? But this pathway, the whole point of the pathway is that, that it's supposed to be a continual growth. We're all supposed to be moving forward, moving forward, constantly moving forward. And even the people who may claim the lead category and they say, well, yes, I'm a leader in the church. Uh, maybe it's, I'm, I'm, I'm on staff. I'm leading a ministry or it's, I'm on the board or, um, you know, I'm teaching in a class cause teachers are leaders as well. Um, I'm cooking meals. I'm doing this stuff, right? I'm doing these things that are leading. Even those people still have to grow and love and worship, right? It's the fun part about the pathway. We always are going around and around and around with Jesus so today we're going to look a little bit at leading, uh, because leading is the whole reason uh, I was in Pakistan in the first place. Uh, Ten years ago, this September, uh, we took our very first trip. Myself and my pastor, uh, we took our very first trip to East Africa, and uh, and the whole point was that leaders needed trained, and nobody else was doing it, so we did it, uh, and so. We went that first year and realized it was going to be a continual need, not just in that one moment, uh, but would continue to be a need. We did not know that 10 years from then we'd still be doing it. We had gone and we thought, well, we're going to teach some stuff and then we'll go home. (laughs) And of course, that's rarely how God works. You rarely get to do one thing. He does one thing, which leads you to the next thing. It's like a staircase, one step at a time. He never shows you the top. You just do the next step. And so leading is what got us there in the first place because the church... And the world needs solid leaders. Okay, I I would venture to guess that uh, many of the problems, a high percentage even of the problems in the world are due to leaders who have no idea how to lead. (laughs) Or at least leaders who do know how to lead and choose not to do it well. (laughs) We choose to lead in ways that are self-serving. We see it in the church, we see it in the world. All right, how many, you know how many countries? Uh, my Uganda is a perfect example, one of our main countries we're in. Uh, in Uganda, the president has been re elected like 30 years in a row. Uh, fails to mention that he puts military people at all the polling stations and locks up his opposition a couple weeks before the election every year. Right? So, leading, <laughs> we are in need of good leaders. And I think that word, leading, scares us. Because what we think of when we think of leading, and especially in the context of the church, we think of preaching. Because that's what's the first thing that comes to our mind, right? And you know how I know that's true? Because I still, to this day, get this comment pretty regularly. So what do you do when it's not Sunday? You just work on Sunday mornings, right? (laughs) Preaching, in our mind, is what you do when you are a leader in the church. You preach. And for most of you, That is not even remotely close to what you would like to do with your life. (laughs) You're like, don't ever ask me to get up there, man. (laughs) Now, to be fair, don't say that to me because I'll make sure that within two years you will be up here because that's what I do. But that's what we think of. The first thing we think of is preaching. And certainly in the church, that's one thing that leaders do is they preach, right? They share the word of God. We see that from Peter in Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost and everyone thinks the people are drunk, Peter is the one who stands up and he says, let me explain. And I think this sermon really speaks well to us because preaching a lot of times, uh, a lot of preachers are preaching at us, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's almost like the, uh, the preacher is set aside. The preacher is different. And so the preacher is saying things that apply to us, but he's already got it figured out. When in reality, I can tell you as the person who does a lot of the preaching here, that's not even remotely true. Usually when I'm preaching things to you, it's things that I've been working on in my life lately. The things that God's been been honing in on me and poking me with. Those are the things I share with you. Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm just a part of the church. I just happen to be gifted and called to do this part of it. So preaching is part of it, but preaching is not even the bulk of what it means to be a leader. It barely scratches the surface. <laughs> Peter leads in a number of ways outside of preaching in the book of Acts. Uh, and so I want to I speak specifically to two of them uh, that apply Uh, directly to some of our work in Pakistan, and that will apply to some of the things that I believe you guys will work on as well. Uh, And the first is the way that we relate to the world. Peter was a leader in the way that he related to the world. Peter uh, did such a great job of being like a stand-in, and I would even call him a translator, between the church and the world. And, And what I mean by that is this, in Acts chapter 4... Uh, Peter and John are called before the Sanhedrin and you have the priests and the temple guard and the Sadducees. Uh, They all come up to Peter and John and it says that they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And so they seize them and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day but many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000. So you see Peter's preaching, right? That was the first thing, our assumption, but look at what he has to do next. It says the next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem and they had Peter and John brought before them and they began to question them. Now, most of you are probably not going to get arrested because you're out preaching the resurrection of the dead. Okay. Partly because we live in a country where you don't get arrested for that, but partly also because I don't know any of you who are going to go out right now and go preach on the resurrection of the dead in downtown Goshen. So you're probably not going to get arrested like these guys, but there are going to be moments in your life where somebody's going to ask you, why do you do that? Why do you spend an hour or two hours of your week at church? Why do you do that? Why do, you, why do you pray so much? Does Jesus really make a difference? Right? People are going to ask you about your faith when you are living your faith. They're going to want to know. Sometimes out of curiosity, maybe sometimes to mock, there's a lot of reasons people ask. But people are going to ask. If, you are, if you're living your faith, it's going to be asked of you at some point. And it's going to be phrased in a number of different ways. But here, Peter and John says, by what power do you do this? How do you do these things? Why do you preach? Why do you heal the sick? How does this work? And I know you'll be asked these questions because I get asked these questions by some of you (laughs) and you come here on a regular basis, right? So how much more so if you're when you're out in public, when you're hanging out with your friends, your coworkers, you're going to get asked. When we talk about leading, leading, I think, is having an answer. <laughs> and, and, and I'll say this too. It's not necessarily having the perfect, right, written out, completely memorized answer. Because that's what most of us think about when we think about uh, defending our faith or sharing our faith with somebody who has questions. We think, I got to have the perfect answer. And look, I can tell you, you're about to find out over the next six weeks of the Ask the Pastor series, I rarely have a perfect answer. <laughs> Especially for the questions you guys have asked. <laughs> My answers are going to be, here's what I think. Here's what I know. Here's what I think. And you know what? The, the great part is, I have found that, that just because I don't have the perfect answer or I don't have the answer that hits home for somebody, doesn't mean it won't hit home. <laughs> Because too often we use, we use that as just a simple excuse to not have to think about it. Because if, if, if we're honest, we don't want to think about it because it hurts our head a little bit. Because nobody's ever had us think about, why do I do the things I do? Why do I pray? Why do I follow Jesus? What, about, what is it about God? What has happened in my life that makes me want to do this? So we're afraid that if somebody asks us, we wouldn't be able to answer because we've never given it any thought. And especially, this is especially true if you spent most of your life in the church. If you were, uh, you you know, sort of metaphorically born in the church. Now to be fair, I did meet somebody who actually was born in the church, uh, but that was not any of you. Uh, So what do you do when you, church is all you know, and somebody says, well, why do you go? Well, guess what? The answer, because I've always gone, is not going to convince anybody. (laughs) And so part of being a leader is simply knowing why I believe what I believe, why I do the things that I do. And then, what do we do with those beliefs? I believe that leaders know what to do with the things that they believe. Now, sometimes what you do with them, like Peter you preach them. That's why I love, I love getting people up to preach. I love it. All right. So just fair warning, don't ever tell me that you don't want to preach because that's a fun game for me. I love getting people up to preach, but, but there are other places where you need to know what to do with what you believe. Preaching is only one of many. Let me give you another example. In Acts chapter 15, the church is having some turmoil. Uh, The church up to this point had mostly been uh, Jews who believed in the Messiah, and they believe now that Jesus was this Messiah, and something new was forming. Well, then all of a sudden Peter has this vision, and he meets this guy named Cornelius, and then Paul's out doing ministry with the Gentiles, right gentiles being people who are not israelites who are not jewish all of a sudden all these people are coming to know jesus and they're becoming a part of the church and they have no clue what a messiah is <laughs> what do we do with that <laughs> and so the church wasn't sure do we make them jewish first and then they follow jesus do they just have to follow jesus what rules in the old testament apply and so they have what's called the council at jerusalem and they get together all these church leaders right? The Peters and the Pauls and the Jameses and the Johns, and they all get together and they decide, what are we going to do? How are we going to approach this? That's an example of leading, of taking what you believe and doing something with it. And so Peter in that story, Peter's present, and Peter, I think, uh, Peter and Paul have sort of the, the biggest uh, moment of I wouldn't even call it indecision, but almost they they have the biggest predicament that maybe the church has seen because they're so torn. They have this heritage that says like, this is it. And then they have this new experience where Jesus is coming to people that didn't used to love God. And how do we mesh those two? That's an example of leading, having to make difficult decisions, not just for the church, but some of you, you're making these decisions in the workplace, you're making these decisions in your homes, right? We don't, have, we don't have money to pay every bill we have this month. What are we going to do? Making those decisions is leading. <laughs> it's taking what you know and believe and doing something with it. So, so when, we, when we speak of leading, I don't want it to feel like it's just preachers or pastors that lead. All of us have places in our lives where we're going to be called to lead, right? The, the easiest one for all of you parents in the room, your parents, you're called to lead. Now, I can tell you as a parent, leading children is about as easy as leading this church, <laughs> It's not to say anything negative about our church. It's leading a church in general, right? Because people are people. We all have ideas and things that we believe and things that we want to see happen. And, and man, it's hard to mesh those when you have 100 people. It's hard to mesh that uh, when I have even just four children, right? So leading, <laughs> sometimes leading is hard. And sometimes there are moments as parents, when your kid says, Dad, when can I get baptized? When you go, you know, maybe leading isn't as hard as I thought. (laughs) Maybe I'm just making it harder than it needs to be. So we have these places. Some of you are leaders in your workplace. Right? Some of you graduates today are leaders in your classes, leaders in your peer groups. Everybody's leading somebody. And it's why when we have these, these conferences like we had in Pakistan, we had uh, two different pastors' conferences while we were there, and we just call them, we call them leadership conferences because we want everybody to come. Because the things that we want to teach are not just how to write a sermon. We want to teach people how do you lead people? How do you be somebody who, who leads people to Jesus? How do you be somebody who, who leads people to the goodness in life? How do you be somebody who leads your home well? These are all the same principles. It's not that there's a different set of rules for, for leading a church as, as there are for leading in a workplace. Jesus sets out the same recommendations for everybody in every circumstance. One of the things I loved uh, this year in Pakistan was during our leadership conference, we always ask questions uh, and we allow time for Q&A at the end, which are always really interesting. Uh, you just never know what's going to be asked. Um, One year in Uganda, we had a guy who was a motorcycle taxi driver. And um, his question was, uh, I regularly pick up fares in an area where there are prostitutes. And uh, would it be okay if I solicit one and then just tell her about Jesus instead? That was his question. (laughs) That's one I didn't have an answer for. (laughs) (laughs) But this year... Uh, you know, there's always like students that you just know in your class that are like, you know, they're going to be like model student. And so we had this, this one lady who was always raising her hand, always had these questions, great questions. And, uh, and then as we would teach, I was trying to get some like feedback of like, all right, did you hear what I just taught? Say it back to me. And she was always the loudest voice in the room. And, uh, and so I found out afterwards that she actually is uh, one of the leaders and preaches regularly at the host church that we are at. I just had no idea. But sometimes those those leaders kind of come to the surface like that. And other times you kind of have to, to poke and prod a little bit. <laughs> this This message this morning is my version of trying to poke and prod you a little bit to think about how you are leading in the world. Because I'm not I'm, I'm not of the belief that to be a leader, you have to be filling stadiums with people. Jesus was an excellent leader. He had 12 disciples. 12. <laughs> well, 11. Because <laughs> even one of the 12 ditched him. <laughs> and he was an excellent leader. So leading is about more than just preaching. It's about more than just the church, right? We're not just trying to, by making disciples, making disciples doesn't just transform the church, it transforms the world. That's why Jesus said, go into all nations, right? Not into all churches. Go into all nations. The discipleship path changes the world. My discipleship has led me into the world, (laughs) It led me to Pakistan, where, where I was told by our Pakistani friends, people don't come here. <laughs> we, were a, we were in a major city. We were staying in the city of Faslabad, which is probably about the size of Fort Wayne. A quarter of a million people, maybe a little bit more. Probably more, because they, they live a little more packed on top of each other than we do. This big city. And I was the only American, myself and Dewey and Asher, we were the only three Americans we met in a week and a half. <laughs> Now, for us in missions, that's, un- that's uncommon. Like when we go to Uganda, there's all kinds of tourists and missionaries and, uh, and people love it. It's the Pearl of Africa. I mean, you can go whitewater rafting on the Nile. You can go on safari. People love Uganda. But when we went to Pakistan, we asked them because they called us, they, they just called us a general term foreigners. We weren't Americans, we were just foreigners. And uh, so we asked our people who were, I mean, they were pretty like, popular people. They had a lot of friends and knew everybody. And I we asked them one night we said, "So how many foreigners have you hosted?" And the guy looked at us and he says, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, how many other how many other Americans do you know?" And he says, "You're it." <laughs> and I said, "What do you mean?" He says, he says, I'm like, "We're the first foreigners you've ever met." And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "How can that be?" And he says, "People don't come to Pakistan." <laughs> he says, he says Americans are too afraid. He says, when they think of Pakistan, they think of Afghanistan. And we're not Afghanistan. (laughs) People don't come to Pakistan. And so everywhere we went, people would ask us, why are you here? Why would you come to Pakistan? And we got to tell people over and over again, because we believe that God loves you. We believe that God cares about you. You, this small church in the middle of nowhere that has 13 people in it. God cares about you. You, this, this church, we went to do baptisms our last two days. And uh, the first day we went to do our baptisms, the church we went to uh, was an hour and a half drive out of the city. Uh, it was about as, in, in Uganda, we'd call it the bush because it was out. And uh, so we go to this church and they said, we're going to, we have nine baptisms to do today. I said, that sounds awesome. Uh, And so they give me this special polo that they had printed up uh, that had a screen printed. It says raised to life. And it's like bright green. And, uh, and we jump in the water in our khakis and our polo to go baptize these people. The water was, um, the, the well pipe came up and came out and there was like a basin that it would go into first and then it would flow out and they had carved so that all their fields could get water. So what they did was they literally sat a guy in the basin like this to block the water from leaving it. He worked as the stopper and they filled this basin up with water, but there was only enough room. Like if I'm standing here, Dewey would be on the other side and Munir was here and that guy was sitting here. That was the whole size of the basin. So we couldn't dip them backwards. So we didn't, instead it was just baptize you in the name of the father, son, Holy spirit. And we just shoved him under the water like this because that was all the room there was. And, and it was really what made the story even better was we did the first two baptisms. We, we, we say the words to the next lady. She's, uh, she's probably, I would, I would put her like mid seventies and, uh, we help her into this basin and we say, okay, we baptize you in the name of the father, the son, the Holy spirit. And I put her hand on her head to push her down and the power went out. So all the water went away. And she tried her hardest. She tried so hard to get baptized in that moment. Like she dipped down like this. She was trying to like she tried so hard. Uh, but she only got about half of her. And and so we kind of joked that we had done two and a half baptisms. Uh, but but what so what they did was we waited about a half an hour hoping the power would come back on, because they do like rolling blackouts uh there just like they do in Uganda and and so We were waiting for the power, waiting for the power, never came back on. So they remembered that there was this Muslim family who lived like seven or eight minutes up the road that have solar panels. And so they, they, somebody local calls this family and says, we're trying to do baptisms and the power's out. Can we come do baptisms in your basin? Now, most of you, because of what you know about Islam, you're probably going, there's no way they're going to let you do that. But guess where we went next? (laughs) We went to these people's house and we did Six and a half more baptisms. We, in fact, it was the greatest thing. That lady was so ready to be baptized. We helped her into the tub and we're like, well, we'll just start fresh. So we help her into the tub and she jumps into the water before we can do anything else. She just plummets into the water. And so Dewey looks at me, and goes, be baptized. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> so so why, would we, why would we do that? Right? Because God loves people, right? Why are, we, why are we called to be disciples, to, to work, to lead people to Jesus? Because he loves people. He loves people. He loves the, the 3,000 people who gathered in the middle of a random field to hear me and Dewey preach the gospel. He loves those people. He loves Dewey. Even When Dewey says things he should not say on the mission field and things I've taught him not to say a million times, things that are in our rule books that we give to our travelers never to say to people, things like, Would you like to come home with me? (laughs) And then my personal favorite, when we're at their crusade, there's 3,000 people. We're like shocked that there are 3,000 people at 11 p.m. at night. And Dewey gets up to give his message and he's talking about how much fun he's had in Pakistan and how much he loves it. And he says, uh, I love it here so much. I might just have to stay. Who has an extra room for me? And every woman in the room who was over 50, raise your hand. <laughs> it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And, and Dewey turns to me and he goes, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> like, why, why do we do that? Because God loves people, right? We were, we were shocked and and uh, and amazed when we when we talked to the Pakistanis and the, most of them said, you know, we've never met a foreigner. There was one guy who was the worship leader. Uh, he had been leading worship and teaching worship for like 29 years. And some of the people in our training seminar uh, were actually from his like school. He ran kind of like a worship training program. And uh, so we, he said, well, I've met some foreigners. He was the only person we knew that had met some foreigners. And, uh, and so he said, well, if you've met foreigners, how do we compare, you know, are we setting a good example or, you know, And, uh, he says, he says in 29 years, he said, most of the foreigners I've met, uh, they want to stay at a hotel so they can be on their own. They want to go to the event when it's time for them to speak. And they want to go back to their hotel and that's it. They don't want to spend any time with us. They don't want to, they don't want to be with people. They want to be safe and just go back to their hotel and call it good. And he said, you're the first foreigners I've ever met that actually wanted to be with us. That didn't just want to come to Pakistan to take the pictures and say you've been to Pakistan and you did ministry in Pakistan. Because he said this <laughs> as we were sitting in our bedroom with 18 other people in our bedroom, <laughs> because it had, uh, uh, there was a windstorm that had kicked up all this sand, and then it rained torrentially, and so the event we had that night was canceled and everybody was sitting in the courtyard just with nothing to do. So we said, well, it's raining out here, just come inside our bedroom. Cause we stayed at the house of somebody that was hosting us. So we had 18 people in our bedroom just hanging out. And thankfully the guy, that, that worship leader uh, had brought his instrument with him cause it was raining, so he brought it inside. And we had a little worship session in our bedroom with like 20 people. Why? Because God loves people. <laughs> Because because in those moments, I think that's where Jesus would be. And if that's what leadership looks like, I can do that. (laughs) By the way, his uh, his instrument of choice uh, is a harmonium. Anybody heard of a harmonium? (laughs) Just our missionaries? (laughs) Uh, A harmonium is a little bit smaller than this, about this tall. It's a keyboard on top, but then a... uh, what is that called? An accordion. An accordion on the back that pumps the air through. And so they're just playing. I'll, I'll have to bring a video next week so I can show you. Um, but man, they go to town on that thing. <laughs> so he brings it in and we have this little worship session, right? Because that's what leading looks like. Leading, leading is not the standing up here. If, if the only thing I did was stand up here and preach on Sundays, I wouldn't have the title as your pastor. We'd call me a teacher, or maybe a teaching pastor. The big megachurches—they have teaching pastors. Their only job is to stand up and teach on Sunday. That's it. But that's not what leading is. It's <laughs> not what leading is. And I think this this trip to Pakistan really like settled that in for me. Uh, the the Ugandan guys that we know—they know everybody. Like in Uganda, everybody knows John because he's been around forever. He was a superintendent for a while. Every it seems like every church we go to knows John. When you go to Pakistan, where it's 2% Christian, nobody knows the people that we knew. They, in fact, they were so obscure, what they did was they they hired, a, uh, they hired security for us. And so we had two security guards for the first week who went with us everywhere we went. And then uh, one, one of them stayed for the second week and we had the security guard the whole time we were there. He was this young guy with a giant weapon hanging on this front of him. And he would go in literally, I mean, it was, like, it was like you were famous because he would go in and check rooms before you could go in. And then he would check the car for you before you got in. And like they were making extra sure that we were safe. Right? And these security guards were there because people don't go to Pakistan. <laughs> And if the people who do go to Pakistan all die, really no one will go to Pakistan. <laughs> so the security guards were with us this whole time. And for the first couple of days, uh, they were, he was very quiet. And he was, he was a young guy. He, he reminded me a lot of uh, my brother-in-law, uh, who's, who was a police officer. He reminded me so much of, of him. And, uh, but he was very quiet and didn't talk much. And it was that we realized a couple of days in, it was the assumption that we didn't want to be with them. It was the assumption that we were just there to do the ministry. (laughs) So, and he's a security guard. He's not part of the crew. You know, he's not part of the group. He's just there. And man, we found out that when we could finally get him to talk, first of all, he didn't speak English. So we had to use a translator. Uh, That's one thing about Pakistan. Almost nobody spoke English um, because nobody goes to Pakistan. Uh, But so we used a translator. We got to talking to him. He's actually really funny. (laughs) which was really gave a whole new dynamic to our guy with the big gun who followed us around because we knew that he was hilarious. I asked him one time, his name was Hanuk. And uh, I said, Hanuk, uh, are you married? And so the translator, he goes, oh no. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, I'm good. (laughs) He was great, but you don't get to know that stuff unless you can have those conversations with people right? Like you, you don't get to know that stuff without the conversations with people. And, uh, and at one point I was having an issue or, uh, Asher who had gone with us, Asher attends mission 72 across town, but he's from Pakistan originally. And so he was doing some translating for us in our off time when the translator wasn't there. And, uh, and so Asher had left to go visit his parents, and we were left without a translator one night. And so we were chatting with Munir, and he was asking us what we wanted for breakfast the next day. And Munir speaks English, but not like super well. And so he asked what we wanted for breakfast. And so we said, well, the normal, you know, they would have um, chapati or naan, and then they'd have uh, this spicy uh chickpea thing that I forget what they called it. Um, But then they would also have maybe some fruit and some juice. So we'd had this juice the very first day, which is in this little blue can. And it's like a peach juice, uh, which threw us off the first day when we had it, because on the bottom, it says it has peach chunks in it. And there was just something about the word chunks that made me feel uncomfortable. Uh, But there were, it was chunks. It was not just like pureed stuff. There were chunks of peach at the bottom of this drink. So, but it was in this little blue can. And so I was trying to explain to Munir, because I couldn't remember what it was called. And I was trying to explain to him, can we have some of that, that juice that was in the little blue can and he's, he gets really concerned and he says, pastor, are you asking me for Beer? And I said, no, 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 no. I said, no, the, the, the juice. The ju-. he, ah. So he goes and he gets his son and I explained to his son, oh. so his son explains it to him, he goes, oh, that's not beer. I was like, no, it's not. It's not. Uh, because in Pakistan, culturally, Christians do not drink at all. Like that's like a huge no-no. It's a taboo. You don't drink, right? So it was totally throwing him off. He thought I was asking for beer for breakfast. <sighs> Translation is very fun. So so why do we go through all this? Because people need to know Jesus, right? Why do we invite and worship and grow and love and serve and lead? It's not because we want to make ourselves some great leader in the world. It's because we want the world to know the greatest leader who's already lived and still lives today. That's why we do these things. It's why I go to Pakistan and Uganda. It's why I, I do the things I do here And it's what I'm trying to build and encourage into you for you to do as well. To see that the point of all of this is bigger than just the day-to-day. It's bigger than just those little decisions we make. There's a bigger thing going on in the world, a bigger story being told. It's so much bigger than you or us as a collective. It's so much bigger. God is telling a huge story and all of us are supposed to be a part of it. And so, so here's, here's what I want to encourage you to do today Um, on chairs. And then over on that table over there, there's this little half sheet thing. All right. It's here's what I want you to do it. I put on there, I call it getting in the way Uh, because uh, two reasons. First of all, we call our discipleship pathway the way, but also I like that phrasing of getting in the way because getting in the way uh, sort of implies that you're disturbing some pattern. You're getting in the way, right? You're disturbing something that was already going on. And honestly, with the pattern the church has been on recently, with a lack of discipleship, a lack of outreach, a lack of, of, of wanting to do anything, uh, our church in the world, it's time for us to get in the way of that, <laughs> to disrupt some patterns that need disrupted. So I got these little surveys. Here's what I want you to do. You can spend some time today or this week or whatever. I got three simple questions. First of all, where do you feel like you're at in the pathway? Which of these words do you think describes where you are right now? Second, what do you need next? And I listed some options, mostly because these are some options that help us figure out what to do next. Bible study, small group, serving, a mentorship. What do you need next? You tell us so that we can schedule it. (laughs) And then finally, one of the things that we do a lot of here is one-on-one discipling, teaching people how to learn to read scripture and hear God's voice. So your answer is there. Yes, I can't wait. No, I'm not ready yet. Big emphasis on yet. Or tell me more, please. (laughs) So all I want you to do is spend a moment at some point, whether it's this morning. If it's this morning, you can put it in the box on that table back there. If you didn't have one on your chair, there's a pile of them by that box back there, all right? But this will help us know how to help serve you better, how to, with our next pieces of our discipleship pathway that need fleshed out more. Um, We have some good ideas, but we want to hear from you because you're the people we're trying to disciple, all right? So those are there for you this morning to fill out and to help us get you in the way. Let me pray. God, we know that you want us to go deeper. You want us to go further with you. You want us to have such a good relationship with you and with each other. And we know that that happens in discipleship. And so we pray and ask God that you would help us to get into the word, get into our discipleship, to take it seriously. That it would not just be something that, that our church says and it looks good on the wall. And, but God, that it would be something that we embrace. Something that we want to live and, and and do with all of our heart and our strength and our mind. God, set this desire for discipleship deep within us so that we would know you more in Jesus' name. Amen.